This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Last Sunday was uh, Kingdom Builder Sunday at Christian Chapel. Those cards in the seat back pocket in front of you describe uh, our Kingdom Builders giving and some of the things that we're hoping to do this year. Uh, They'll kind of lay that out for you. This morning for our chapel praise story this year, we're sharing uh, just stories of what God has done. It's going to connect back to our Kingdom Builders just a little bit. So um, most of our chapel praise stories to this point have been stories of God's miraculous healing, his intervention in some really supernatural ways. But we all know that's not the only only way God works. God does those things, but then he also works in some ways where he takes the ordinary obedience of our lives and does some really incredible things with them. So last Sunday uh, at the, the end of our message, we shared a video with you that told the story of Pastor Colton. Pastor Colton is a, a pastor from Sri Lanka. Uh, he actually passed away a, about a year ago, but just an incredible man of God. And so last week we told his story from the perspective of when he was a young man and in Bible college, he was entering his last year of school, his father died, and he had no money to continue his education. Right on the, the same day he was getting ready to withdraw from school due to a lack of funding, he was called into the school director's office who shared with him a letter from a widow in Florida who said, I felt like God told me to send this gift for a student who is unable to pay their bills. Please use it to help them complete their studies. And, and it was just a wonderful story. If you, if you weren't here with us, I'd encourage you to go back um, and, and watch, actually on YouTube, to watch the video itself. Uh, it's, it's really powerful. I thought that was the end of Pastor Colton's story, at least as far as it connected to Christian Chapel. I had heard his story from some of our our partners that we support and thought it was a great one to share with you. Then I came back last Sunday night to our Kingdom Builders celebration that we had down in the gym. We had the international sampler theme, uh, which great job, all of you, uh, 38 of you who made stuff. I think I ate all 38 of your your entries. So uh, good job. It was awesome. But one of the tables I stopped by was a, a couple ladies who are part of Christian Chapel who are from Sri Lanka. And as I was eating their uh, amazing Sri Lankan pancakes uh, that were wrapped around some fruit filling and trying to figure out how I could get a second one, um, she started to tell me about, hey, I loved hearing the story of Pastor Colton this morning. Um, When I was in Sri Lanka, I would attend his church on occasion. And so I just asked her, well, well, tell me more about him. And and she started to tell me about the impact he had had and, and that his children and their children are continuing to lead the church in Sri Lanka in some really incredible ways. He's got children serving in in influential government roles. She said, Pastor Colton is really kind of the the Billy Graham of Sri Lanka. Everybody knows him. Everybody's life has been touched by him. He he started that 10,000-member church. He led the Assemblies of God. He did all of these incredible things. And so I shared that story with Angie when I got home that night and thought that was the end of Pastor Colton's story in connection to Christian Chapel. Then I came to church Wednesday. And on Wednesday, uh, Carl and Carlene Quist sat down and ate dinner with Angie and I before all of our activities. And Carlene said, I have to tell you a story. She said, I wasn't here on Sunday, but Carl called me and said, you have to watch the service. They told the story of Pastor Colton. She said, 30 years ago, Carl and I were members at Christian Chapel, and I got a phone call from a family member who lived out of town. And they said, hey, I have some friends who are coming to Tulsa. His name is Colton, and he's having open-heart surgery at the City of Faith Hospital, which was right across the street from ORU at the time. 
So she asked Carlene, will you please go check on them? They don't know anyone in town. So Carlene went down. Uh, Pastor Colton was getting ready for the surgery. She met his wife. She asked his wife, where are you staying while you're in town? And she said, well, I'm just going to sleep in the waiting room. And if you know Carlene, you knew that is not what happened. So uh, Carlene said, absolutely not. You're going to come and you're going to stay at my home for as long as you need to stay there. So his wife came home, stayed with Carl and Carlene after Pastor Colton had the surgery and recovered. He went and stayed at their home for all of his follow-up appointments. They attended Christian Chapel one of those Sundays that they were here with Carl and Carlene. And then Pastor Colton went back to Sri Lanka after that successful surgery and enjoyed 30 more years of fruitful ministry that during that 30 years impacted one of our other current Christian Chapel members who then was here 30 years later participating in our Kingdom Builder celebration to help us send more uh, funds out to create more stories like that all around the world. And as I heard all of that, I just thought those are, those are the stories we need to tell each other. Because we don't know how God is working. We don't know the part we're playing in his story. And sometimes it's really big and sometimes it's really small. But God can use every aspect of your life, your obedience, your hospitality, your willingness to open your home, to share a meal with someone, to be part of what he wants to do all over the world. And it was just one more example of our, our interconnectedness in the body of Christ and that we are all working together to achieve God's goals, God's purposes, and God's plans. And so each week when we're sharing these stories, we're saying, Lord, thank you for what you've done. And we're also saying, Lord, will you do it again? So in the same way we pray those prayers for healing, I want to pray that prayer for us today that we'll just be obedient in the small things. And we will trust that God is using our life to achieve his purposes. So will you pray that with me? Jesus, we thank you today for Pastor Colton and his life. We thank you for the example of faithfulness that he was for us, for the impact he's had. And Lord, we thank you just over the last week how you've shown us uh, just the, the small part that we've been able to play in that and how you have woven all of our stories together. Now, Lord, I pray especially for anyone who's in the room or online with us who is questioning the significance of their contributions. Lord, that, that if their gift is big enough, if their service is important enough, if they are recognizable enough. And Jesus, I pray today that you would help us to lay down all of those insecurities, to lay down all of that pride, and to just find a, a real sense of peace that as long as we're doing what you've called us to do, we are going to contribute to your kingdom. And so, Lord, we, we thank you for this story, Lord, that shows us your work through decades and your work all over the world and how it all circles back to building your kingdom and establishing your church. And we pray that you would help us to continue to do our part so that those stories are told 30 years from now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, today we are kicking off a new message series called Acts. It is uh, coincidentally from the book of Acts. So uh, kind of shocking, you know, really try to be creative with our titles around here and uh, grab a lot of attention. So Acts, we're going to talk about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the church. And so we're going to kind of work through the book of Acts story by story. It's going to take a while, uh, but, but you can be thankful we're not doing verse by verse. If we were doing verse by verse, it would probably take five years to get through it. So uh, we'll, we'll take several months. We'll work our way through the book of Acts and just explore the stories that it tells us. And what we're going to find is it circles around these themes of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the church over and over and over again. And so this morning, we're going to kind of just lay some groundwork. We'll be in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, and lay some groundwork for why we're spending time in Acts, what, what is significant about it, and why it continues 
to have relevance for us today. But before we jump into Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we want to do a little work to understand who wrote Acts and why was it written. So if, if you're unfamiliar, the book of Acts is written by Luke. Luke is uh, not one of the 12 disciples. He is not one of the, those original group that was with Jesus. We're not sure exactly when Luke became a Christian, but it seems to be very, very early in the history of the church. Luke, what we know of him, we know primarily through his writings. He writes the Gospel of Luke, and he also writes Acts. But then we also find Luke being mentioned repeatedly in the writings of Paul. And it's Paul who tells us a little bit more about who Luke is and what Luke has done. Colossians 4, Paul tells us that Luke is his dear friend and a doctor. In Philemon 1, he says that Luke is his fellow worker. In Acts 17 and 20, we find Luke accompanying Paul on his missionary journeys. And in 2 Timothy 4, when Paul is in prison in Rome, we find Luke being a faithful and loyal friend. Paul says, only Luke is with me. Now, at some point, Luke becomes a follower of Jesus, and he sets out to investigate and to compile the stories of Jesus. He does this through firsthand accounts. It's likely that Luke had interactions with members of Jesus' family. It's likely that he had numerous interactions with the original disciples who were with him and other people who traveled and were in the vicinity of Jesus. In fact, if you go back to his gospel, Luke chapter 1, verse 1, Luke tells us a little bit about his approach to writing both the gospel of Luke and also the book of Acts. In Luke 1, verse 1, it says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught." So what we want to understand as we uh, jump into a, a prolonged study on the book of Acts is that Acts is not just a, a collection of stories of the early church that are haphazardly thrown together. But you can see in the way Luke introduces his gospel that he is a careful, thoughtful, and detailed writer who writes with intentionality and writes with purpose and writes with a sense of what he's writing is far bigger than himself. Luke addresses both his gospel and the book of Acts to a man named Theophilus, which from the title he gives him of most excellent, most scholars assume that Theophilus was some kind of Roman government official. And it's, it's possible that he was even responsible for funding Luke's ability to write and distribute his gospel and the book of Acts. But what we want to pay attention to this morning is Luke's intention that he shares with us to collect and carefully investigate everything that he's heard. And he says he sets it down and he puts it in an orderly account. And the reason he does that is so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Luke wants us to understand in his gospel who Jesus is. And then as he transitions into the book of Acts, he wants us to understand how the ministry of Jesus is continuing on earth through the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the church. And so when you get to Acts, Luke tells us that he will continue with this careful approach. In Acts 1, verse 1, he says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all, about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. 
after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Luke tells us that his purpose in writing Acts is that it works in combination with his gospel. And whereas his gospel tells us everything about who Jesus was and what Jesus did, this book of Acts will now tell us about all that Jesus did through the Holy Spirit in the lives of the apostles and the early church to establish the church and to spread the church all the way around the world. Luke writes to give us confidence in the divinity of Jesus Christ and in the supernatural nature of the church. And so really what you'll see as we work our way through Acts are are these three themes being replayed over and over and over again. We'll see Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the church. And so Luke will talk to us about Jesus and he will make it clear to us that every story in Acts is ultimately the story of Jesus. And so we need to keep this in mind because we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the church. We're going to talk about salvation and healing. We're going to talk about miracles and deliverance. We're going to talk about missionary callings. We're going to talk about God's wisdom and guidance. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit speaking and the Holy Spirit's direction. But what Luke wants us to understand and what we want to keep at the forefront of our mind is that every story in Acts ultimately points back to Jesus. Jesus is the main character. Jesus is the central figure. Jesus is the one that we are supposed to see at work in every situation and in every speech that's given and in every action that's taken. And so as we read through it, we're going to embrace the work of the Holy Spirit. We're going to celebrate the success of the church, but we're going to remember they both always point back to Jesus. Luke will present the Holy Spirit as the one who reveals Jesus to us, who convicts us of sin and reveals Jesus as our Savior. Luke tells us that Jesus is the one who who is our Savior, our only hope of salvation. The Holy Spirit is the one who assures us that we have been saved and found our hope in him. Everything is always going to point back to Jesus in Acts, but then Luke is also going to show us that you can't tell the story of Jesus without telling the story of the Holy Spirit. And so again and again and again, from these opening lines, he's telling us, Jesus told the disciples, go back to Jerusalem and wait for the promise that my Father has given you, the Holy Spirit, the one that you've heard me speak about. And so Luke is laying the groundwork that Jesus expected all of his followers to have personal, powerful, transformational experiences of the Holy Spirit. And so as we work our way through the book of Acts, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. Right, we, we spent about six weeks uh, last fall, just before Christmas, talking about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And as we considered continuing that series, what we found was almost every sermon we were going to preach was going to come from Acts anyways. So we just kind of saved them. So, so in many ways, you're going to be able to view this walk through Acts as a continuation of a study on the Holy Spirit 
because that's what Luke does. Every success of the church is rooted in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Every person who puts their faith in Jesus does so through the work of the Holy Spirit. Every missionary who's sent out in Acts does so as a result of the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. Every miracle that's performed, every healing that occurs, everything, every element of success that the church enjoys comes from the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. So as we work our way through the story of Acts, we're continually coming back to the Holy Spirit. But again, the Holy Spirit is always going to point us back to Jesus. And then what Luke shows us in Acts is that anywhere you see Jesus and anywhere you see the Holy Spirit at work, you will always see the church established. And so Jesus tells us in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that he will send the Holy Spirit and we will receive power to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, Acts 1.8 is more than a command to those original disciples. It's a prophetic promise of what will happen when God's people embrace the power of the Holy Spirit and begin to use their lives as a platform to tell others about Jesus. In Acts 1.8, what we hear is the promise of the birth of the church. And as the disciples go back and they take their place and they're waiting in Jerusalem and then the Holy Spirit is poured out and then they begin to preach and to teach and others begin to come into the church, what we see is the church is established. And the church is established by some men and some women whose names we're going to hear in the book of Acts and whose stories we're going to explore. But there are many other men and women who are there who are part of that original early adopter group who go back to Jerusalem, who are there on the day the church is born, many of them whose names we'll never know, whose, whose stories we have never heard, but they were an essential part of our story because they're part of the church. And so my, my hope as we work through this is that every week we are hearing a call to follow Jesus, that every week we are hearing a call to surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit, and that every week we are hearing a call to take our place in the church and then to do everything we can to make sure everyone everywhere has the opportunity to hear about Jesus, to experience the power of the Holy Spirit, and to take their place in the church. Because this pattern, this is the story of church history. Because believers have embraced Jesus, have embraced the Holy Spirit, have taken their place in the church, you and I are here today worshiping together. I mean, if you think some of your, if some of your closest friendships were born in the church, if you married someone you met in the church, if your life is better because of events that have occurred in the church, then everything in your life is due to the fact that those who've gone before you have embraced Jesus, embraced the Holy Spirit, and taken their place in the church, and have committed their lives to continuing that cycle in the generations that will come after them. And so as, as we work our way through Acts, we're working at not just looking back and thinking those are great stories, but really looking back and thinking these are stories that still apply today. And so we, we want to approach Acts in, in, in three ways. The first way we're going to approach it is Acts is our past. When we're reading the story of Acts, this is our story, right? It, it's our history. These aren't just dry and dusty details. Now, Luke writes Acts so that we can, in the same way he wrote his gospel, so that we would know there's historical reliability to who Jesus was and what Jesus did. He writes Acts so we will know there's historical reliability to the growth of the church. And it's due to the presence of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So when you and I read it, we're not supposed to read it just merely as a historical document. Though I know some of us would enjoy that. 
right? Where are my other history nerds in the room? I know there's some of you. Raise your hands. It's okay. You watch the History Channel. Your family knows. They make fun of you. It's, I, I bear that burden with you. Um, I know some of you, how many of you, when you drive down the road and you see a stray dog, you're tempted to stop and get it? Some of you? Yeah? Okay. So I want you, the way you feel about that, that's how I feel when I pass a historical marker on the side of the road. I just feel a sense of obligation. I've got to stop and read that. Somebody put in, something happened here. I need to stop. I need to read that. I need to consider it. I need to appreciate that the the Oregon Trail crossed at this point. I need to to stop and consider that there was a cattle drive that occurred here. I need to know what happened here. A couple weeks ago, Angie and I were driving to Shawnee, Oklahoma for a basketball tournament. And and out in the middle of nowhere, there's a, a random historical marker on the side of this rural highway. And we were running late, and part of me died as we drove past it. So you, you've got, you owe it. You owe it to someone to stop and read that, right? And, and so when, when I come to the book of Acts, it can be easy for me to think, man, I just love the history of it. I love the people and the places and the names, and I love the historical reliability of it. And we could go back and show you how it's been proven over and over and over again through archaeological evidence, through the work of historians throughout the centuries and around the world, that Acts is a reliable account of what the world looked like in the first century. And that gives us extra confidence that Acts is a reliable account of the growth of the early church. And as fun as that is for 20% of us, I know the other 80% of you are like, that sounds awful. Are we really coming to lectures for the next several months where it's just dry and dusty and feels like high school history class? You're not, okay? So so I'm going to resist those urges. We're going to share as much as is important. But when we say Acts is our past, we're not necessarily saying you need to remember dates and places and names and there will be a quiz at the end. What we're saying is these are our spiritual stories. These are our ancestors. These are the stories that are designed to shape us. This is what God really did, and it's what we can believe God still does. Acts is a reminder to us that our belief in Jesus Christ, our experience of the Holy Spirit, and our place in the church is not just the result of legends, myths, or traditions that have been passed down from generation to generation. You are not a Christian because of the culture you were born into. You are not a Christian because your mom or dad were or your grandparents were. You are not a Christian just because it seemed like it made the most sense. You're a Christian because somewhere along the way, the Holy Spirit came and worked in your heart, convinced you that Jesus Christ really was the Son of God, that he was born of a virgin, that he lived a perfect life, that he suffered, died, and was buried, that on the third day he was resurrected, he ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and has sent the Holy Spirit to convince you of his divinity and his plan for your life. And Acts comes along and affirms to us, your faith is on solid ground. The reason the church grew so rapidly, despite such incredible persecution, is because these men and women knew that Jesus really was who he said he was. And they experienced the supernatural confirmation of his presence through the work of the Holy Spirit as the church expanded around the world. And so as we work our way through the story of Acts, we are reestablishing and reaffirming the foundation of our faith, remembering these things really happened. And because they really happened, it means that Acts is not just our past, but it is also our present. We have hope that these things are still happening. We believe 
that there is still salvation by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. We believe that Jesus still sends the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin and to reveal him as Savior. We believe that Jesus still, as we'll see in the stories of Acts, releases supernatural gifts through his church that draw the attention of believers and non-believers to him. We believe that Jesus still raises the dead, that he still heals the sick, that he still provides for every need, that through the Spirit he still gives wisdom and direction, he still offers guidance, he still releases miracles, to confirm his message in the world. And so as we read the stories of Acts every week, we're not just reading to think, what did God do? But we're also reading to think, what is God going to do today? Right? How, how do the needs in my life, and, and here's what I can promise you. I don't know how and I don't know when, but I know somewhere over the course of a couple months, there are going to be numerous ones of you, and I'm going to experience this too, where you're going to come with a need on a Sunday morning, and we're going to turn to a passage in Acts, and it's going to speak directly as if it was written this morning for you. And what you're going to find is that God is going to use every story in the book of Acts to speak to us about the current situations that we're facing and to reveal his path and his plan to us. Acts is not just the history of the church. Acts is also how we continue to move forward as the church today. And then Acts also points us towards our future. In 2024, Christian Chapel will celebrate our 50th anniversary as a church which uh, I know for some of us that, that that number hits us different ways, right? So for some of us, we're like, I remember and I was here. I've been here for all 50 years. And, and when that celebration comes, we are going to celebrate you and we're going to honor you. I know there are some others in the room. They're like, 50? My grandma's not even 50, right? And, and it just seems like this totally foreign, like I might as well have said 4,000. Like it just, it's not even real to you. How could that be possible? And yet a 50th anniversary for a local church, it's a really big deal because it means for five decades, we've experienced the faithfulness of God. For five decades, we have experienced the pattern of acts being replayed in our services and in our community and in our ministries together over and over and over again. For five decades, we've collected stories of salvation. For five decades, we've seen the Holy Spirit pour out his power and his might on all flesh. For five decades, we've received God's provision. We've received God's direction. For five decades, we've been part of seeing the gospel go to the ends of the earth. For five decades, we've been receiving ministry from those all over the world. For five decades, we've seen the pattern of Acts played out over and over and over again. And yet, as we stand at that 50th anniversary celebration, I firmly believe Christian Chapel is still on the edge of our next great chapter as a local church. And one of the reasons I believe God has led us to the book of Acts right now in 2023 as we lead into that 50th anniversary celebration is to remind us of what our future will look like. And our future will look like Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the church. And more than it's going to be a program, more than it's going to be a building, more than it's going to be anything we could come up with, it's going to be a renewed emphasis on making as much of Jesus as we possibly can. On making his name as known and as accessible in our community and in our world as we can. It's going to include an increased reliance and experience on the Holy Spirit. It's going to include God pouring out his spirit on all flesh, just as he promised and just as he did in the book of Acts. And it's going to continue to include men, women, teenagers, and children taking their place in the church, finding life in community, 
And it's going to continue to then just repeat that cycle over and over and over again. Our next great chapter will be made possible by spirit-empowered men and women who are willing to tell their friends, their families, their neighbors, their coworkers, teenagers who are willing to witness to their classmates and their teammates through the power of the Holy Spirit and those empty chairs next to you will be filled by the people that you are, being, that you are witnessing to and you are seeing God change their hearts and their lives. And then as they're filled with the Holy Spirit, it will continue. And as they're filled with the Holy Spirit, it will continue. And the church will grow here and we will launch out missionaries and we will launch out evangelists and we will launch out pastors and those stories will continue to be written all over over the world for our next 50 years or however long God allows us. But Acts is never going to be just something we look back on and think, isn't it cool what God did? But it's also a promise of what God is going to continue to do. Jesus will build his church and he will do it by the power of the Holy Spirit and he will do it through men and women who are willing to surrender their lives to him. And so what that means for us is as we jump into the book of Acts, we are, we're trying to, to keep a couple ideas in mind. One, Acts is prescriptive. Okay, so, so what we mean by that is, is really pretty simple. Think of, think of when something's wrong with you, right? Physically, you're not feeling well. You go to the doctor. You describe your symptoms. They, they evaluate you. They do their tests. Eventually, they come up with a diagnosis. And then most of the time, when your doctor has a diagnosis, they will give you some type of prescription. That prescription could be a, a medication that you need to go to a pharmacy and pick up. It could be a change in lifestyle, it could be a change in diet, a change in sleep, it could be all kinds of things. But here's the thing that we all know about prescriptions. They only work if you use them, right? At some point, you have to move past the description of what's going to make you better, and you have to act on the prescription that's been given to you. So if you go pick it up at the pharmacy and, and you take the pills, and, and I know some of you, like, how many of you, when you get the, the stuff at the pharmacy, you read the whole thing that comes with it? Some of you? All right. How many of you immediately throw that in the trash and just start taking whatever you've been given? That's me. If I die someday, it's because I didn't read the instructions. It's just like, don't mix those. I'm like, I don't know. They just came, right? So, so regardless of your approach, though, we all understand whether you read all the directions or you read none of the directions, the prescription only works when you apply it. You've got to take the pills. You've got to apply the ointment. You've got to do the thing the doctor has told you to do. In the same way, we're going to work through the story of Acts, and we're going to see God do incredible things, and we're going to learn about Jesus, and we're going to learn about the Holy Spirit, and we're going to learn about the church, and we're going to make the applications, and we're going to say, this is what Jesus wants to do, and this is how the Holy Spirit is still at work, and this is how you take your place in the church, but but ultimately, it's going to fall on each of us individually to hear not just a description of what could be done or should be done, but to hear a prescription for how I'm going to live my life every day. And as we begin to internalize those messages about Jesus, and as we begin to internalize and act on those messages about the Holy Spirit, and as we begin to internalize and act on what it means to be a follower of Jesus and take our place in the community of faith, then you will see the story of Acts continue to be written in your life today. But for as long as we sit and just think Acts is, is just a description and I enjoy it and I like it, it's not going to have its power in our life. Now, now, for some of us, that idea of, of Acts being prescriptive, that might, that might hit you in some places that, that make you a little uncomfortable. Others of you, if, if it doesn't, don't worry, I'm not, I won't talk to you for the next couple minutes. But if, if you have ever grown up in an environment where you were told by a pastor, by a Christian leader, uh, by a professor, by a theologian, that Acts is just descriptive. 
Acts is only to tell us the history of the first century church. Acts is only to show us how the church was established. It is not designed or intended to be something that we continue to learn from or apply. So so there is an element of the church that will push back on this idea that Acts is prescriptive and will say, no, 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 it's simply descriptive. It's historical narrative, and those historical narratives are only intended to tell us what God did. They should not be used to tell us what God will do. Now, if if that's how you grew up, uh, my, my encouragement to you over the next couple months as we work through this is do your best to lay that aside and just ask God each week, is this true, and does it have application in my life? What I have found in my reading and study and my own experience is that typically the people who want to tell you that Acts is not prescriptive are people who are looking for a reason to, to discredit any kind of supernatural work of God in the local church today. And because there's an absence of the Holy Spirit's power in their, li- <clears throat> in their life or in their church, they then have read back into Acts and decided, well, because I don't see it, it must have stopped them. In doing so, then they kind of develop some systems around it about, well, you can't really use these narrative stories to, to teach and to apply from. And, and they, they, there's some really clever-sounding arguments. The problem is it, it really kind of goes against what Paul tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, he says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And what, what you will find is that many people who argue against Acts being prescriptive because they don't believe you should be able to teach and to make application from historical narratives in the Scripture are the same people who will teach and make application from the historical narratives in the Old Testament. And they have no problem teaching from those stories, and they have no problem teaching from the stories of Jesus, and no problem teaching from the stories that surround the writings of the Apostle Paul. But because of the supernatural nature of Acts, and because of the the emphasis on the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer that sometimes makes some modern Western Christians uncomfortable, we've decided it's easier just to say it's just a description and avoid the prescription. But at Christian Chapel, what we believe in our approach to Acts is going to be Acts is prescriptive. It is a story of what happened. It's a, and it's a promise for what will continue to happen. And, and, and we're not going to twist things. We're not going to take things out of context. Where things are black and white, they're going to be black and white. Where things are a little more gray, we'll acknowledge that they're gray. But we're not going to shy away from an entire book of the Bible because of its supernatural nature. Instead, we're going to lean into it, and if there are things in our culture, in our upbringing, or our personality that cause us to pause at the supernatural work of God, instead of making God's word submit to our experience, we're going to ask our our experience to submit to God's word. And we're just going to come, we're going to say, Lord, if this is what the scriptures teach, will you do it again in my life? And when you ask that in humility, what you find is the Lord answers. And he will begin to lead, and he will begin to work, and he will begin to guide, and he will accomplish what he wants to accomplish. But as as we work our way through Acts, we are not trying to advocate for one denominational stance over another. We're not trying to beat everyone into one little corner of Christendom until we all agree on every little thing. All we're doing is coming to it every week and saying, if this is the story of our past and it's the the story of our present and it's the promise for our future, then Lord, what does it mean to to us today? 
And what we'll find is that there's an invitation to act on acts. Everything that we read, everything that we see, every story that we consider, every detail that we discuss, inherent in it is this idea of if God did it then and he can do it again, then that means he might want to do it in me and through me. And from that space, when we come with a position of humility and surrender, God will begin to lead and to guide. And he will begin to reveal his purposes and his plans. And as we make the decision of, you know what, I'm just going to hear the scripture, I'm going to respond to the scripture, and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit lead me and guide me, what you will find is the stories of Acts become the stories of your life. You will find stories of salvation being written in your life. You will find stories of evangelization being written in your life. You will find stories of the Holy Spirit's power being poured out on you, being written in your life. You will find all of these things and more in an abundance being poured out on you. Our job when we encounter the scriptures is never to think that was great information and I'm glad I know that and then move on with our day. When we come to the authority of scripture, we're always asking it to change us and to shape us. And when we come to Acts, what we're saying is if the story of Acts is the story of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the church, then I want the story of my life to be the story of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the church. And there will be places where I'm challenged, and there will be places where you're challenged. Right? There are places in Acts where it says that the believers sold all that they have and put everything in common so that any, there was no one with a need among them. That's challenging to the way our culture works. Right? It will say that the Holy Spirit is poured out, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them, and that's challenging to the way our culture operates. It will talk to us about men and women who were called out of their hometowns to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, to places where they were rejected, where they were abused, where some were killed and others were persecuted. And it's challenging to think that God may continue to call us into those spaces and places today. But if we will come with humility and say, you know what, all I really care about is that my life reflects a commitment to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the church we will then begin to understand what it means to attach our lives to something far more significant than anything we can achieve on our own. We will begin to participate in the next great chapter that God is writing, not just at Christian Chapel, but to establish his kingdom all over the world. Parents, for for our kids, one of the greatest gifts we can give them is lives surrendered to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the church. For you who you're in your last couple years with your kids at home, if you can send them out just with this commitment of, look, Son, daughter, all I want you to know is everything you need in life is Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the church. And if you got those three things, you're going to be okay. You're going to make it through. If we will just, and so we're just going to do it. We're just going to spend time week after week and month after month coming back to these three ideas of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the church. But each week, we're going to stop and ask, Lord, will you do it again? Will you do it again in me? Will you do it again through me? Will you bring that same supernatural power and release it in my life and into the world around me? Will you stand with me so we can pray together? Jesus, we come to you today and we are thankful. We're thankful that you have revealed yourself to us as our Savior. And we're thankful that you have sent the Holy Spirit to empower us to live the life you've called us to. We're thankful for the church and your establishment of it. We're thankful that you've allowed us to take our place in this community. And now, Lord, we ask that you would continue to glorify Jesus in our lives. 
Jesus, will you continue to send the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin and reveal you as our Savior? And Jesus, we pray if there's anyone in the room or online with us who's not made that decision, Lord, will today be the day that they place their faith in you, that they confess their sins, they repent and turn away from their old way of life, and they embrace the new way of life that you're offering them. And Jesus, we thank you that you have sent the Holy Spirit to us with a promise of power to do all that you've called us to do. So Lord, we want to be your witnesses. We want to live lives of significance, and yet we recognize our weakness. And so we ask once again, will you pour your Holy Spirit out on us? Holy Spirit, will you come and fill our hearts and minds with boldness and faith? Holy Spirit, will you come and give us eyes to see the path that Jesus is laying out before us? Holy Spirit, will you come and give us ears to hear the voice of the Father calling us to move forward in faith? And Lord, we pray that as we do those things, we will take our place in the community. Lord, I pray for those who who still find themselves on the fringes of the church. For whatever reason, afraid to jump in, afraid to take their place, afraid to know others or be known by others. Jesus, I pray that you would show us you've not only come to bring us into a relationship with you by the power of your Holy Spirit, but into a relationship with a community of believers. So Lord, we come and make that commitment again today. Jesus, we believe in the coming months that you are going to speak to us, you're going to lead us, you're going to guide us, you're going to challenge us and convict us. And we ask, Lord, as you do that, that you would give us courage to follow whatever you command. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.